are glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Stand if you would then, please. If you're in 1 Corinthians 1, let's start there. And I want to read uh, verse 10 and verse 10 only. This is a commandment not only to the church, a beseeching, if you would, is how Paul puts it, to the church at Corinth, but this same entreaty would apply to us today. So it's not there simply as a historical record of what Paul told the Corinthian church, but is there for our admonition as well. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all, what's it say next? Speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, and in the same judgment. Uh, again, I'm going to read that. And I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. I'll say more about that after we read Proverbs 4. Now, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. The Bible says, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Thank you. You may be seated. And of course, the penman here of Proverbs, Solomon in verse 23, reminds us of what we've been reminded of not only as we've dealt with the issue of the tongue, but the human body, the Christian body, that everything flows from the heart. And so we are admonished to keep our heart, guard our heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So what comes out of our mouth, verse 24, proceeds from the heart. What we do with our eyes, verse 25, proceeds from the heart. What we do with our feet, whether literally or figuratively, proceeds from the heart. The direction of our lives, verse 27, proceeds from our heart. Whether it's our hands, our feet, our eyes, our mouth, everything is proceeding out of the heart. So it's inevitable that when we deal with these issues, we have to tie it back and touch back to the heart repeatedly. But tonight... Our subject is found in verse 24 when we're told to put away, uh, wisdom says put away from thee a froward mouth. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 8, wisdom is personified and wisdom says this, all the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing froward or perverse in them. When I hear of a perverse mouth, I think of someone telling dirty jokes. I, I don't know about you, that's what I think filthy, dirty, but that's not really what's meant by perverse here. That's Perverse means to be, and I'm going to read you the definitions from uh, Webster's 1828 dictionary. Strong's didn't help me very much. I looked up the word froward, and it means perverse. I look up the word perverse, and it means to be perverse. And that's really about all Strong's could give me, so I fled to the Webster's dictionary, and froward means this. It, of course, is an adjective meaning perverse, that is, turning from with aversion or reluctance. So to turn from 
something, with, with especially that which is right, with aversion to that matter or reluctance, not willing to yield or comply with what is required, unyielding, ungovernable, refractory, disobedient, or peevish. Unyielding, ungovernable, refractory, disobedient, or peevish, such as a froward child. Have you ever seen a child talk back to their parents? Junior, I want you to come here. I don't want to. That's a froward mouth. Junior, I want you to go do this right now. I was going to do this first. It's a froward mouth. It is a, it's the revelation in the tongue of a disobedient will. This is really somewhat married to our message this morning. God says, put that tongue away from you. And in wisdom, you'll never find that kind of language. Perverse is, to means this, because the definition for froward is the first word you're going to find every time is perverse. The meaning of perverse means literally turned aside. Uh, hence, distorted from the right. Someone that is turned aside from that which is right, uh, distorted from that which is right, to be obstinate, this is the second definition of perverse, obstinate in the wrong, disposed to be contrary, stubborn, untractable. can mean to be cross or petulant, peevish, disposed to cross and vex. So I believe the word we'd find that we've been using and seeing much in on Thursday nights is the word gainsaying. A gainsaying tongue is a froward mouth. It is a it is a it is a, a, a speaking in opposition to righteousness and truth. Now I cannot say, and I'm glad I cannot, that this message is given tonight because of the the, the tremendous problem we have with this in the church. But may I say this how many of us are still living in a body of flesh tonight? then this this is needful to each one of us, whether by prevention or correction, it doesn't matter. And so the Bible has quite a bit to say. There's a number of verses in, in Proverbs that deal with frowardness in general. Okay, frowardness in general. But a froward heart will be manifest in a froward mouth. Let me try to give you another example to, to just give us some definition here tonight uh, as I can best understand what frowardness is in the mouth. Let's say, and we'll just use the home as an example, you have uh, parents who God has placed in that home to rule in the home, to establish boundaries, to establish consequences for wrongdoing. That's the idea of ruling. This is what is acceptable. This is what is unacceptable. This is the blessing for doing what is acceptable. This is the consequence for doing what is unacceptable in order to teach godly character, to teach the distinction between right and wrong, in order to teach those children, if they're Christian parents, to come to the saving knowledge of the truth that you are a sinner because here are the unacceptable things you have done that are called sin, and here are the acceptable, and... You can use rule in home to teach children to come to Christ. But here's what happens. Parents uh, instruct the child to do something, and they say, Okay, junior, I'm going to use the word junior tonight, be boy or girl, go do X, Y, or Z, and the child complies. But as soon as they get with a sibling, Ah, why do I always have to do da 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 You know what that is? It's really frowardness in the mouth. It is saying, I don't want to do the right thing. Now, the right thing may not be so much the chores. The chore may be washing dishes, carrying out the trash, moving some firewood, cleaning up your room. That's not the point. When that child expresses disagreement with what is 
what is required, what that child is doing is saying, I don't like obeying God. Because God says, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. We can bring it into the church and a message can be preached on a touchy subject and yet if the message is true and in line with God's word and coming from God's word, someone may get outside and, and say, why do we always have to hear about that, 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 You with me? The idea is, yeah, that's what the Bible says. I get sick and tired of hearing about. And it's interesting to me, we go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the Bible says that as God's people, we're all supposed to speak the same thing. Now, that doesn't mean we all go around saying, Hello, I am a member of Bonner's Ferry Baptist Church. And we don't say that. It's not saying we say mimic the same words. The context is that we all are in agreement on what is true. And so our words are in agreement with one another. So you don't have one church member saying, I believe that the Bible is the infallible word of God because that's what the Bible says. It's given to us by God, by inspiration, preserved for us. Or you don't have one member saying, I have confidence in the Bible. Another one saying, no, I don't. Well, I believe that we're saved by grace. Well, I believe we're saved by works. There are churches today that glory in diversities of doctrines with no certainty on what is true. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said that's not the way we want that to be. It's not the way God wants that to be. You're supposed to have the same judgment. You're supposed to speak the same things. And so... What, what, the, what the froward mouth would do would, would be to rise up and oppose what is right, uh, being unyielding. May I say this? If I have an unyielded will, I will eventually express that with a froward mouth. It's inevitable. If I know what is right, we preached this morning and dealt with this morning, Abraham had a clear commandment from God that he knew he was supposed to do. May I say this? If I do not yield to the righteousness of God's will in my life, I will one day oppose it with my words. There will come a day where I will begin to complain about that requirement on my life by God. I believe this. If Abraham had not yielded to God concerning Isaac, it is most likely that one day he would have railed on God for telling him to sacrifice him. That's what I'm trying to say. That when we have an unyielded will, it results in a froward mouth. A mouth that, that, that opposes righteousness. A mouth that uses logic to reason against the righteous instructions of our, of our God, uh, against the righteous judgments of our Lord. That's my comprehension of a, of a froward mouth. And it's not about my comprehension. That's what the word means. That's what the context is in Scripture. And this is how mouths do great damage. Last week, we dealt with the idea of being a tailbearer, someone who loves to run around and pass information from one to another. Well, here, we're dealing with someone who loves to speak up in opposition of right ways. When a right truth has been presented, as I said, by a parent, or a right truth has been taught by a teacher, someone loves to pipe up and say, well, what about this? And it's not wrong to pipe up and ask questions and get information. I, I hear a lot today. I hear from people who are just living in, in bitterness. And they say something like this. And they don't answer to me for it, but I can't help but hear the tone. I was in a Bible college classroom where I was never allowed to ask questions. And then somebody takes that for granted and say, Oh, that's horrid. What kind of a professor wouldn't let you ask questions? Well, I was in Bible college one time, and I remember some things like that. 
We had some professors who were allowed to ask questions, but if every time you opened your mouth, you were telling the professor why he was an idiot and why he was teaching you for the Bible was not correct, he was probably going to shut you down when you tried to use your questions to teach the class. You with me? Yeah, I believe there were those that could have said of Jesus, he never let us ask questions. Because every time we asked a question, he made us look like we were bad. Namely, they were called the Pharisees. Because they didn't use questions to gain wisdom, they used questions with a froward mouth. You want to understand a froward mouth, study the Pharisees. They loved to ask Jesus about taxes because they were so concerned about being good citizens. They were so concerned about uh, honoring God's authority in their life and treating government like they should. They said, do you believe in paying taxes or not? No. The reason they were doing that is they were trying to take him down. They loved to ask controversial questions to him about marriage and about taxes and about anything where they might trip him up about John the Baptist and different things. They they love to bring up that where did he get his authority? And every time he did, he would either answer them with a question or answer them with a statement that would expose that they had a froward mouth. You see, the Pharisees could not ask a sincere question of Jesus because they were not sincere toward him. So the reason they could not speak, the only one I can think of that came to him sincerely was Nicodemus. And when he asked sincere questions, he got sincere answers. So what I'm trying to say tonight is this, I'm trying to paint the picture with God's help of what a froward mouth is. And again, I think if we studied the Pharisees, you'll find out very quickly. Let's, let's consider three things in the book of Proverbs though about a froward mouth. Number one, the revelation of a froward mouth. Just like uh, anything else, what comes out of the mouth reveals what is inside the heart. Uh, before we look in Proverbs at a couple of texts, turn with me to Mark chapter 7, if you would, just as a reminder that it's not what goes in a man that defiles him, but what comes out of him. It's not what goes in that defiles us, but what comes out. So we say, oh, I can put anything in my body. No, but when I say that I want to put certain things in my body, it's re- revealing of what's in my heart. I spoke to the men in the jail about this the other evening. I said, you know, to be honest, we hear a lot today about fentanyl. It's a bad and horrible, horrible drug that's extremely dangerous. But you know what fentanyl reveals? It does, it's, it's a substance like anything else, whether synthetic or whatever it may be. It's a substance. But you know what it reveals? It reveals the heart of man is wicked. What kind of a heart would declare, I want to put that in my body? I said this, I can go down to the gas station put my card in and pull it back out and take the pump, open my mouth and go, there's nothing wrong with gasoline, but the moment I did that, it's not what I put in me that defiled me. It's the fact that it came out of me to want to do that that shows what a fool I am, right? You, you with me tonight? So as we look at Mark chapter 7, the Lord Jesus lays down a principle. It's not the things that are going into your physical body that defile you. It's what's coming out of you that defiles you. It's what's in your heart that defiles you. And so as we look at the froward mouth tonight, we'll understand it proceeds from the heart. That's why the verse before, Proverbs 4.24, is about the heart. And so then, Mark chapter 7, Jesus says this, verse 20, And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, and evil eye. Blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within and defile the man. I just want to say it before we get into Proverbs that that's what the froward mouth reveals. The froward mouth reveals a problem in the heart. And 
you say, well, we've been dealing with it, but it's just true. Whatever is the problem with the tongue will never bridle the tongue until the heart issue that is governing the tongue is dealt with. If a heart is bitter, then bitter words are going to proceed from that mouth. No matter how we try to mask it, no matter how we try to change it, if, again, if a heart is unyielded to the will of God, may I say this, by the way, I I believe this is... I try to pick up on, Lord, where are you? Is there a theme today or something we're trying to drive home? And if there's any theme I, I could see today, it's this concept of being submitted to God, yielded to God. And yielding of the will to God is not a, something you do with your tongue. It's something that's done with the heart. The submission of one's will is a heart decision. And if that heart decision has not been made, if I've had a point where God has led me and shown me His will in my life, revealed it through Scripture, and it can be as practical and as simple as spending time with Him in prayer or obeying a parent or forgiving someone who's wronged me, and I say, I just cannot, I cannot do what God's Word is telling me to do, that's forwardness. I'm turned aside from what is right. So when there's forwardness in the heart... It has to come out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So may I say this, for us, many of you here, you're going to have opportunity at time to minister to someone who's got a froward mouth. Someone who uses their tongue to express opposition to truth and righteousness. Know this, getting them to talk different is not really the goal. I mean, it is. It's getting their heart different that's the goal. And so, may I say this to us tonight? We may say, whew, I don't want a froward mouth. Well, then we've got to make sure that our heart is submitted to God. Because a froward mouth is simply an expression of disagreement with God's will, with what is right. Proverbs uh, chapter 6, then. Proverbs chapter 6. The Bible says this about a froward, about a froward mouth and where it comes from. Verse uh, 12. A naughty person, a naughty person, someone who does wrong, someone who is... Uh, a pattern of life, of doing that which is out of bounds. A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a what? Froward mouth. How does he make progress in life? He uses his tongue. What kind of tongue? A froward one. One that opposes truth. He goes forward in the direction he wants to go by pushing back at truth with his words. Uh, Verse 13, he winketh with his eyes, he speaketh with his feet, He teacheth with his fingers. Ah, here it is. Why? Verse 14, frowardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually. He soweth discord. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly. Suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. We'll be back to these verses in a few minutes. But Proverbs 6.12 says, It's a naughty person and a wicked man that walketh with a froward mouth. Who walks with their mouth? You get this picture? There's a guy going down on his face walking. It's showing you he is not using what God's giving him appropriately. Instead of using his mouth to speak and to add knowledge to others, he is using it to go forward, meaning he's clearing a path for himself in the direction he wants to go by a froward mouth. He's turned aside from righteousness, and he has a froward mouth because he has a froward heart. The revelation of a froward mouth is you have someone with a heart problem. Someone whose heart is not yielded to rights. We've, we've established that. Proverbs 4, 23 and 24 again. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth. The revelation of a froward mouth is corruption of character. 
I believe this. It is a lot easier to try to address the outward issues of man than deal with the root issues of man. But when John the Baptist came to this earth and began preaching, he said the axe is laid to the to the root. We can look, I could give you a list of, of things in the Bible tonight, and you can find them on your own. Of here are language and verbiage that Christians should never use. Here are twenty three words a Christian should never utter. But do you realize memorizing that list and say, I'll never use that word, I'll never use that word, never use that word, never use that word, that doesn't really fix the problem. Because here's what I said, you, you may never use God's name in vain. You may never use a foul word. You may never use a, a filthy word and still have a froward mouth. We can still have a mouth that, that is used to ill affect the minds of other people toward the way of righteousness. There are people that do it all day long. They do it with their mouth and they speak with their fingers, by the way. On a keypad or a text message or whatever it may be, the revelation of a froward mouth is corruption of character. The revelation of a froward mouth is someone who's contentious in their character. Look, if you would, at First Timothy chapter six, a verse we saw this morning. First Timothy chapter six. Paul knew that Timothy would be dealing with people like this. First Timothy chapter six, verse four. Let's back up just a little bit. It says in verse one. The, the context here is, is a submissive will, uh, be, lining up with God's order of things. Let as many servants as are under the yoke account their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. I mean, we treat our, our bosses correctly, not because necessarily the boss is the best, but because we don't want God to be misrepresented. If we're a bad servant or a bad employee to our master, if we are obstinate and hard to get along with and won't obey, we're going to bring shame, blasphemy to the name of God. Verse 2, And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. You teach servants to be obedient to their masters as they ought to for the name of the Lord and for the sake of brethren. Verse 3, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words. What the context is, he's froward. You've been given wholesome words, and so says, well, I just don't believe that. I just don't believe that. I don't agree with that. I don't like that. Well, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing but doting about questions. I wish Paul would speak his mind here. If a person can't agree with what I've just put forward, that you ought to treat your masters right with subjection, not because the master is perfect, not because he can't err, but because you're representing God. And if the master is a believing brother, you ought to serve him uh, instead of causing a problem. And if somebody has a problem... So the context here is not the infallibility of Scripture. The context here is not the virgin birth. The context is how we behave as employees. Isn't that a secondary issue that doesn't matter? But Paul said, if any man teach otherwise, otherwise than what? Than what I've just said about servants and masters. And consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the doctrine which is according to Godliness. He is proud, knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, railings, uh, envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse Where's that, that word? You hear that? Perverse? That's froward. Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. 
There are debates you can get into today over the Bible that will make your head spin because of the list as long as your arm that folks can give you for why the obvious conclusion that we should come to as Christians from the Bible is not applicable to us as Christians. Meaning there are froward men who just don't like wholesome words. They don't want to be godly. They have no intention of being godly. And so what do they begin to do? Use their tongue to oppose the way of godliness. And Paul says, look, the person that does that is proud. He's ignorant, knows nothing. He dotes about questions and strifes of words. It creates perverse disputings. May I say this, and God, God's had to help me with this, or something in the flesh every now and then makes you want to just get there and dispute with somebody. The Lord says you're not going to forward the work of God that way. If someone is, is opposing sound doctrine, wholesome words, then that's a person you really can't help. You turn aside from them. You go somewhere else. Turn aside. Don't spend hours arguing on a blog over an obvious truth in the Bible. You'll come out confused, and they'll come out more stubborn than they were in the beginning. Perverse disputings. So the, the revelation of a froward mouth is someone who's corrupt in character. Corrupt minds, what Paul said. Someone who is, is, is uh, what, what we, the contentious in character. They're contentious in, in their nature, if you would, because they are conceited. Frowardness is the product of pride. Is that not what Paul said? He is proud, knowing nothing. Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. There will always, I'll just, I'm, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be uh, negative today or pessimistic, but there will always be people, God will help you with something in the Bible. He's going to show you something that is directly applicable to you. You're going to plug it in because you love the Lord, and you're going to meet somebody who's going to say, who taught you to do that? Who taught you that as a Christian, you can't go out and have a good time dancing on Friday night? That is not what the Bible teaches. In fact, I can show you verses that tell us to dance to the Lord. I'm going to take something. Kicking your heels up because you are happy in the Lord is different than grabbing some other man's wife and swinging around a ballroom floor. Amen. But you have gainsayers who are filled with lust who want to do that thing and they're going to tell that legalistic preacher told you you can't dance. I didn't tell you you can't. I'm just telling you if you do, you're not right with God. And that's Bible. Bible says you want to lay your hands on a woman, you touch her, marry her. Amen? I'm just using that as an example. But there are gainsayers today who say, well, pastor, that is, not a, that is not a doctrine related to our salvation. We should not cut people off over not such non-issues. Well, that's not what Paul said. So if, the, if it's a froward, opposing mouth, turn aside. Turn aside. You know what? What I just said to you about dancing, those are wholesome words that are according to godliness. That'll help you honor your marriage. If you're married, it'll help you honor your future marriage if you're not. There are some wholesome words about how to conduct ourselves when we're using the Internet. Got a question for you. Where are you going to find Bible verses specifically about the Internet? Somebody help me. Last time I checked, the book of Hebrews doesn't say, when thou art on the Internet. <laughs> no, it's not there. But you can take the Bible and apply it, and there are wholesome words that are according to the, doc, that are the doctrine that is according to godliness. That's what Paul did. He said, here's something that will help you have a good testimony with your boss, with your master, if you behave this way. And there are going to always be those people that don't want to do right. They're going to speak up. 
They've already decided they want to be immoral. They've already decided that they want to pursue money. They've already decided no one's going to run their life. And so when some good application of the Bible is made, the forward mouth opens and then it reveals behind that mouth a corrupted, conceited, contentious character. So we can know this, by the way, the best thing to do then when you find someone like that say, you are conceited. No, 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 no. We're not, we're not, we're not forward police. The best place to look and say, is this on me? Do I do this? When there's some truth brought up that's convicting to me, do I immediately start telling why it doesn't apply? Do I immediately start going into argument and self-defense mode? That's forward mouth. Meditate on it. And if the truth doesn't apply, my mom used to say, she would come in the schoolroom in the morning and she would start saying, somebody left some clothes out this morning here and somebody didn't clean this up here. And I'd say, Mom, it wasn't me. She said, look, if the shoe doesn't fit, don't wear it. Of course, her insinuation was, but if it does, put it back where it belongs, right? My point would be, sometimes that piping up, that was not about anything but feeling convicted over my own laziness. And many times when God speaks to us, our mouths open first in opposition to the truth. And we'll see in just a moment, God doesn't want anything to do with it. He doesn't want us to have anything to do with a froward mouth. The revelation of a froward mouth, it reveals a corrupted, a corrupt, contentious, conceited character. Number two, the ruination of a froward mouth. Why would we want to deal with this? Because the froward mouth comes to ruin. The froward mouth comes to ruin because it is expressing opposition to what is right. Again, Proverbs 6, where we were earlier, verse 12, a naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. So God says a froward mouth is characteristic of a a lost person. Therefore, a saved person never should be on us. That's never a tool in our bag. A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth, verse 13. He winketh with his eyes, he speaketh with his feet, he teacheth with his fingers, Frowardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually. He soweth discord. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly. Suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. Speaking on Thursday night of the gainsayers and those who are so vehemently opposed as Korah was toward Moses, uh, toward the truth and toward righteousness, there are men who are devoting hours of their day to debunking Bible truth and claiming to be Christians in so doing. And I look at that and I say, someday that person's going to go, God's, it's just, it's going to catch up. He that being often reproved, hardeneth his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. I'm going to tell you something. When you get to the place where your relation to truth is that you're not only not submitted, but you are verbally opposing, you're in serious trouble. Whoever it may be, serious trouble. When we get to the point where I'm not only willing to not obey the truth in my life, but I'm going to use my words to try to get others not to and to join me in that, that's a serious issue. And there's sudden calamity, the Bible says, for the froward man with the froward mouth. Look at Proverbs 10.31. Proverbs 10.31. This is figurative speech, no doubt. The Bible says in verse 30, The righteous shall never be removed, but the wicked shall not inhabit the earth. The mouth of the just bringeth forth wisdom, but the froward tongue shall be cut out. Verse 32, The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked speaketh frowardness. You say, what do we do then 
if we ever disagree with something, with each other, perhaps with you as the pastor, you, you preach something, and my conscience is like, I cannot accept that. We could do what we ought to do. Say, hey, can we talk about that? How do you realize you and I can disagree without being forward? I'm not encouraging disagreement. We're all supposed to speak the same thing. But let, me, let me give you an example. The Apostle Paul shows up one day, and there's the Apostle Peter and Barnabas. And prior to some Jews coming from James, Peter had been eating with Gentiles. Been eating with some Gentiles. This is all outlined in Galatians, I think, chapter 3. And he had no problem because he knew that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ had broken down the wall between Jews and Gentiles, so they were all saved by grace and in the same family of God, and they could commune and fellowship with each other. But when these over here who believed that salvation had to be coupled with circumcision and the keeping of the law showed up, all of a sudden Peter withdraws and he won't eat with them anymore. And the Apostle Paul, being the hawk that he was, I don't know a better word, he looks at that and says, that ain't right. So then what he does is he pulls old Silas over later and he says, let me tell you what, what Peter did. What a skunk. I was there with him one day. What a hypocrite that Peter and he went and told everybody else about Peter because if he could bring Peter down, now Paul would be the chiefer apostle than Peter. No, that's not what Paul did. You know what Paul did? He walked right over to Peter and he said, what are you doing? Why were you eating with Gentiles before those guys showed up and now that they showed up, you're not? Paul said, I withstood him to the face. I don't. My understanding is he didn't shout at him. He, he didn't scream at him. But he did go and say, Peter, you're, you're wrong. As I said this morning, being disagreed with is not persecution. I mean, I say this, if we love the truth, it doesn't bother us to be challenged if someone says, there's a truth you missed. But I mean, you know there's a difference in that being someone being froward. Someone deciding, I don't want to do what's right, and you just said something that's right, so I'm going to tear apart what you said because I don't want to do what is right. It would be like if Peter said, well, Paul, Let's just get into this, shall we? You come over here making me look bad in front of everybody. Let me just tell, let me talk about who were you for you got saved. What are you now? You back to persecuting Christians again? Is that what Peter did? You know, I, we understand the context of Scripture. Peter knew what was right. Later, he writes of Paul that Paul's epistles are Scripture and that they need to be listened to and not rested as men do other Scriptures. Obviously, Peter never carried an ounce of bitterness. You know why? Peter wanted to do his right. There are ways for you and I to live in fellowship with one another, but frowardness of mouth, verbal opposition to righteousness and truth is never part of it. God will never call anybody to, par- to start a blog that is froward, that is constantly picking apart good sound doctrine that leads people to live godly lives. But the men that say they're working for God to do that, revolutionize the Christian community, are liars. They're just froward. And God says, you need to have nothing to do with that. Once we're saved, frowardness is to be part of our past, not part of our present. We'll get to that in just a minute when we deal with the replacement of a froward mouth. Let's look at Proverbs 17, 20. We'll wrap up here in just a minute. He that hath a froward mouth findeth no good. And he that hath a perverse tongue falleth into mischief. The froward mouth never comes to any good. Never. By the way, experience is not always the best measure of truth because it's, it's subjective. But in the experience of my short life, I have seen that verse to be so true. Froward mouths never have joy. Yeah, anybody else ever notice that? Sometimes when someone's froward, whether it's froward against the gospel or it's froward against godliness, I think, 
I don't know what your argument is, but whatever you got, I don't want it. If I have to have your disposition to believe what you believe, I'd rather be ignorant and not have it. Because forward people, they have no, it come, never comes to good. They never affect godliness in other lives. They, 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 the only effect they have is their own destruction and the deferment of others from the way of truth. The Bible says, He that hath a forward heart findeth no good, and he that hath a perverse tongue falleth into mischief. You, you get into trouble because you're running from what is right. And so then that's, that's the way it works. So that, that's dealing with the ruination of a froward mouth. It, it comes sudden calamity, falling into mischief, being cut out. That's what Proverbs 10.31, the mouth of the just bringeth forth wisdom, but the froward tongue shall be cut out. Young people, on this Sunday night often, you often get a little more attention for whatever reason. I want to say this to you. You ought to purpose in your heart tonight, God being my helper, I'll never use my tongue to oppose the way of righteousness. I'll never mock a person who's living a more godly life than me. That's frowardness. I'll never verbally assault God's will and way for any other human being. I will never use my tongue to mock and ridicule what I know to be right. Never. And God says you, we're to put that away. And if we will, God will bless. And if we won't, it will come to no good. The froward tongue ends up being useless, cut out. That's the idea uh, of no avail. It falls into mischief, sudden calamity, cut out. The ruination of a froward mouth. And then thirdly, and by the way, do you notice a pattern in all that? Who does the froward mouth ultimately ruin the most? The one who has it, it's corrupt. And so it ruins, it ruins the one who has it. God deals with judgment, and there's a natural path of, of consequence that comes. And so uh, the revelation of a forward mouth, it reveals a corrupt, contentious, conceited character. The ruination, it falls into mischief. It will be cut out. It will come to sudden calamity. Thirdly, the replacement of a forward mouth. Wisdom says in Proverbs 8, 8, all the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing Froward. You'll never hear wisdom speaking in opposition to the revealed will of God. The Bible says there is no counsel against the Lord. So wait, I know people that counsel against the Lord, and God doesn't count that as counsel. He counts it as folly. <laughs> there is no wisdom or counsel against the Lord. I'm not quoting. I'm referencing a part of a verse in Proverbs. Wisdom will never take, take, take fault or exception with the commandments, instruction, and counsel of God. If there is something that's doing that, it's not wisdom. So wisdom says, again, all the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing froward or perverse in them. The words of wisdom never counsel us to turn aside from the will of God. And so then, let's read Proverbs 8, 13. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. That was Proverbs 8, verse 8. Proverbs 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Very interesting to me uh, that, that God doesn't, he finds that one thing has to replace another. So when the fear of the Lord is present, then hatred of evil is present. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. You know what you know about this? Someone has a froward mouth doesn't think very much of God. Someone who fears the Lord hates a froward mouth. See, I don't ever want to say anything that would disparage the will of God in the mind of another person. That would express my disapproval of God's will and God's way. It is common. How many of us know this? It is common and expected 
that unbelieving people would mock the way of righteousness, that they would verbally try to tear down the way of righteousness. Again, I I guess there's a, a desire and a burden in my heart in the world in which we're living where there is such a concerted effort to give platforms to froward mouths in the name of righteousness that use their intellect, they use their reasoning, they use their tongues to do nothing but tear apart the conclusions of the Word of God. They use, they use their words to talk you into believing that it's okay to do all kinds of sinful deeds. Friend, that's frowardness. We should never do that. And so then, uh, the, the fear of the Lord, the first thing that's going to be in place if I'm not going to have a froward mouth is the fear of the Lord. I'm going to have to have the same attitude toward God that Abraham did. If God said it, it's right. The Lord is the rock. He is the rock. His work is perfect. All His ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is He. That's the fear of the Lord. If, the, if, if God put it in His Word, it's a right thing. I may not understand its application to my life, but I've already decided when I do, that's the way I'll go. And I'll never speak against the will of God and the, the way that He set forward before us. I, I made a statement the other day, and I, and I think it needs to be said. And I may have said it from the pulpit, I don't remember. But we need to be reminded that though good works do not make men good, and though good works do not cancel sin, good works are still good. There's a popular notion today. It's almost, we we hear preaching against good works simply because good works don't save. So there's people that preach against being faithful to church. There are people that preach against reading your Bible daily. There are people that preach against fasting and prayer because good works don't save. No, they don't save, but they are still good. And we are still as saved people saved unto. Can I help you with something? You know why somebody would preach against good works? Not because they're worried about souls dying going to hell trusting in good works, but because they don't want to do them. People preach against going to church faithfully because they don't want to. People preach against a faithful prayer life because they don't want one. People preach against soul winning because they don't want to do it. That's why someone complained to D.O. Moody one day, I don't like the way you win souls. He said, I don't like the way you don't. You tell me how you do it and help me, but I like the way I do it. I think what he says, I like the way I do it better than the way you don't. That's a pretty blunt statement, which he was known for. But there's a lot of wisdom in that. He that winneth souls is... So he that winneth souls not is, the Bible doesn't say that, but it surely is inferred. My point is this. You know why people rail on these things? They've turned aside from it. You know why people don't, I've heard men rip, cut Hebrews 10.25 to shreds with the pen knife of their tongue. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together is a legalistic thing that are preached by fundamental Baptist preachers today to try to control your life. Friend, that is almost satanic. That's the same line of argument that says that's why the Bible was written in the first place. But not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some ends, it still means what it says. But if I've decided that's not what I'm going to do, then I'm going to find a way to tear it down. And God says, never. No, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogance in the evil way, and the froward mouth do I hate. May we never use our tongue to tear down a Bible truth and a Bible principle and a Bible directive for God's people because that's what we did when we were wicked. 
But now that we're saved, let us not do that. Amen? And so then the fear of the Lord is the first thing. It's got to be there. And then the Bible says it has to be put away. There has to be a willful decision. I'm not going to use that tool of my tongue anymore. Proverbs 4.24, put away from thee a froward mouth. And perverse lips put far from thee. So the fear of the Lord has to be there first. I have to have a proper attitude toward God saying all his ways are right and I will not disparage or disrespect any of God's ways. Number two, there has to be a willing and willful putting away of the froward mouth. I refuse to use my tongue in that way. If I can't use it to edify someone in the will of God, I'm not going to use it that way. And then thirdly, it must be replaced with wisdom from God's word. What does wisdom say? All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing froward or perverse in them. It's stated this way in James chapter 3. James chapter 3, it talks about wisdom that is from above. James chapter 3, verse 14. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, the term we used a minute ago, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But, but, the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. May God help us tonight to define, identify, recognize a froward mouth, and know that God says if you fear the Lord, you have to hate that. You have to hate that mouth that expresses the wisdom of not obeying God. Do you mind know what I'm talking about tonight? <laughs> there are people who use their tongue to defend the wisdom of disobeying God. They've developed entire doctrinal systems or entire defenses for ignoring the clear instruction of the Holy Spirit through Scripture and said, well, this is why it's okay. Some even pastor churches or evangelists. Ah, God forbid. The froward mouth is to be a thing of the past, not a thing of the present for the Christian. The fear of the Lord is to displace it in the heart. The fear of the Lord is to displace it from my tongue. Put a froward mouth. What does he say? What does the Bible say about that? Put a, put a froward mouth, put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Now, I believe there's a second application to that. What if you've allowed an influence in your life that's constantly using their mouth to rail on and to explain why God's will is not for you? What should you do? Turn it off. Say, well, it's a human. Separate. Paul told Timothy, he said, from such turn away. You and I don't need people competing with the Holy Spirit of God in our lives telling us why his will is bad. That's what a froward mouth does. It tells you why the will of God revealed in the word of God is not the will of God and why it's not right. Because they've already decided that's not what's right for them. You know what? I believe this with all my heart. I have a pastor friend of mine. He says, I'll die for your right to be wrong. I agree with him. I believe the liberty of every person to make your choice is God-given. But when we start using our tongue to defend our bad choices to other people, it's frowardness. And at that point, I have liberty to walk away. I have liberty to turn the screen off. I have liberty to throw the book away. 
I have liberty to say, you can exercise your liberty and turn aside from God's will and God's way. That is your choice. But I don't have to fall under your influence to defend you, agree with you, or go along with you. Because your disobedience and froward mouth are going to affect me to go your way. Amen? I hope this makes sense tonight. Put perverse lips far from thee. I'm going to help you. Young people, you listen to me. If you decide to hang around somebody that is constantly expressing why they don't agree with doing what God wants them to do, you will join them. The Bible says evil communications. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. If you decide to live a godly life, you're going to have to confront some froward mouths. And God says, here's the only thing. Put it away from you. Put it away from you. Don't expose yourself to that which is going to turn you apart and turn you aside from wisdom. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Put away from thee a froward mouth. 